Oh, oh, there, there I am. Hey, uh, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, it is Thursday, Thursday, and uh, you know, no matter where you are, how you are, or what you're feeling tonight, uh, we're here to talk about grass. And I'm not talking about the uh, recreational kind of sorts mm-hmm. or uh, the illegal kind, because you know, Ray, they're rolling back uh, the uh, the cannabis. I don't know if you saw that in the news or not. This isn't a burner return episode, but we do have to talk about this real quick. The rolling back cannabis. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I saw that, but then that's going to become a whole nothing burger because I foresaw this outcome. I foresaw this, and do you all understand what classifying a drug as Schedule 3 means? Tell us, Ray. What that means is that it is a prescription drug. Uh, Possession by use or sale to anyone other than a prescription holder is a felony. And in order to get that prescription, uh, you need to be seen by a DEA licensed practitioner, and mm-hmm. that prescription is performed in tri- triplicate with records kept. So uh. anybody thinks that, well, look at it this way, uh, Ryan, and uh-huh. I think uh, you know you and I are both familiar with this: is that. Uh, TRT drugs are Schedule 3. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, mm-hmm. That pill you get from the dentist after he extracts your teeth, that's Schedule 3 as well. Uh, You're going to feel a little Any kind, right? yeah, any kind of, like, uh, see, what's they call, you know, benzodiazepine drug, like a, like a Valium or a Librium or a Xanax, that's also Schedule 3. So anybody that thinks that it's being dropped down to Schedule 3 and it's party time, think again. Think again. Well, there you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. So hey. tonight we are, we are going to, besides getting drug talk with Ray, uh, mm-hmm. this is your brain on drugs, and then this is your brain with Ray telling you about drugs. It's a lot better that way, <laughs> folks. I'm just going to tell you. It's a lot better for you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we're going to do uh, old school lawn care help desk questions. You ask questions in the chat. We provide answers. Uh, again, I'll give you the Matt Martin disclaimer. We may not know the answer. We may say, I don't know, because we are mm-hmm. human. And we are fallible. And uh, Lord knows if there's any lawn care YouTube show that has fucked up more shit in lawn care than we have, I'd sure like to see it because I don't think it exists. Okay. So now that we have all that out of the way, uh, we'll start here. So Lons and Things wants to know, is Ray on Twitter? No. Ray? No. Nope. Okay. Not on Twitter. I mean, Eric, I, have a no, no, I have a no social media policy. Oh, uh, well, Ray chooses yeah. other ways to be tracked by the government, like eating the blue M&Ms, you know, things like that. <laughs> uh, Eric wants to know. See attached mm-hmm. photo. I have a sedge. What would be the best mm-hmm. to mix with the sedge hammer to kill this son of a bitch? Also, more violence mm-hmm. in front. Do we have a picture on that, J Pink? Is that the picture that is? Yeah, it's that one that's attached. There. This one. The, oh, yeah. the next one. Okay. Okay. Uh, hmm. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. You I know what? Think that, no, that's not sedge. 
I don't think. No, he's you know also, he definitely also has sedge, though. He just oh, wants to okay. know what else to mix with this. Oh. Ooh. Okay. okay. Ooh. <laughs> That's a little tricky right now. Um, what's the weather going to be like there in 85-ish this weekend? Knoxville weather. Does he have anything on hand? That would be my question. Sedgehammer, I mean, uh, Quinclorac, Triclopier, Cross. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Sedgehammer is going to beat up uh, the Sedge pretty good. Make sure he's got his NIS in there for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And then as far as this other stuff goes, um, you said Quinclorac and what? Triclopier. Uh, Triclopier uh-huh. on hand. Yeah, I mean, go ahead and, and throw the Quinclorac out there. I'd sure love to see uh, an HPPD, you know, a tenacity or something in there too with it as a spike. But uh, if he's got nothing else, go ahead and run those two and we'll see what we can clean up here. And that wild violet, I, I, I guess. Triclopier, I guess, go ahead and do it. But I would worry about temps right now and, and not really getting uh, much to move through that plant. I think you're going to need uh, either a different yeah. chemical you know, like a flocks appear there, Ray, if it's going to be this hot. Um, but I don't know. Or, or wait till a little bit later in the season, because as far, from what I know, mm-hmm. Triclopyr plus Quinclorac in October mm-hmm. is a definite winner in that area. Very much so. I mean, that is a, that is a proven, tried and true and underutilized uh, combination for fall cleanup of uh weeds in cool season lawns i mean it's not used often enough <laughs> and there we go yeah all right <laughs> let's take a look at uh pro or uh brett pro tour services would like to know are professional applicators allowed to full nelson mowing crews um you know as long as nobody passes out i'd say you're okay again I don't know the laws of the state of Massachusetts, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts very well. I would have to defer to our good friend, Jesse Bousquet on that. Uh, and mm-hmm. as everybody should know, Brett, if you're going to do that tomorrow is a very special day. If you do get arrested, it is shut the fuck up Friday. So make sure you do not incriminate yourself. Call Jesse. <laughs> get yourself out of that situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and jump over here to. Uh, oh, Randy Jenkins. Hi, Randy. First time caller. Maybe. Mm, I don't know about mm-hmm. that. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clumsy carper seed going in the ground. Day four, going to roast here in Michigan for four to five days, mid ninety. What to do? Water and pray for new issues. Uh, yeah. So if it has already been watered and you have moistened that seed, uh, you're going to have to ride this one out. I think the things to be careful about, and we had a little talk about this on our burn return episode. If you want to go back and listen to it about uh, with uh, what did we talk about oh, Jordan Farmer, J Farm. Um, yeah, G farm. Yeah. This stuff is different though. Cause it's already in the ground, Ray, you know, I'd be worried with the stretch that we're going to have, cause we're going to be touching the low nineties, even into the mid nineties in some parts, uh, here in the Midwest mm-hmm. through the next five, six days. Uh, I think you just have to ride it out. If you want to be safe, if you want to feel really secure about it, go ahead and get yourself some methanoxum, uh, or subdue yep. just to spray yep. on there just in case you're worried about it. But the thing I've noticed too, and I th- I think, uh, let me go look here real quick and I'll just pull up Detroit uh, on the weather here because something I haven't looked closely at Detroit, Michigan. 
Let's see what the dew point's going to be, Ray. Because that'll tell us a little bit more about how... Yeah, that'll tell us his, his hazard but, of uh, pissium hazard, right? Yeah, how fucked we might be. So our dew points are generally... I'm looking here... Tuesday, 64, 65. So it's not outlandishly high. It's going to be humid, yeah, but it's, it's not, not going to be like ridiculous. Stupid. Yeah, it's not nuts. Yeah. So I think the things I'd, I'd be uh, concerned with there is, uh, you know, just don't water too much in the heat of the day, you know, mid afternoon, things like that. It dries out a little bit. Don't be freaked out. Uh, it's going to dry out a little bit quicker than normal. And uh, just make sure you get a good base of water down in the morning. Kind of ride that out a little bit, a couple of spritzes during the day, and then uh, let it go to bed a little bit on the drier side, and you'll feed, you'll be mm-hmm. just fine. All right. Yep. Michael Pedroza. I am doing a FAFO reno of Ryan, I'm assuming Norris, perennial ryegrass mm-hmm. in SoCal, Riverside, California, irrigated 2,500 square feet. What are my chances of getting it to hang on next summer? 95 to 110 degrees for two months. Michael, uh, the answer is going to be no. Uh, you know, no. I, and I, I listen. RK has showed some showed me some pictures privately of, of his stuff and some pretty challenging conditions. I'm not going to say flat out no, because uh, he does have some really really good stuff, and that's not me blowing smoke. I'm saying that he's picked some excellent varieties to have in that um, in that blend. That being said, that's a tall order, and I'd be just manage your expectations, and I think you'll be okay. And if you need to, if you get beat up for two months and maybe it's a good summer. It's a little bit cooler, something like that. You make it through, Hey, no big deal. No harm, no foul. And let's say that it's a little bit warmer and you're closer to that 110 mark and some of it gets beat up. Just oversee the son of a bitch this time of year, every year. And again, it'll grow back mm-hmm. quick. It'll look great for the other 10 months of the year and off you go. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Michael Brantley, our good friend over there at Turfology, potential new mm-hmm. client, sod company installed Zoysia, sod october of last year looks to me like it got hammered with large pass this season is it too late to try and force some lateral growth so again southern illinois going towards st louis there from michael ray you know zoysia much better than i do i was gonna say i don't think this is a good idea i mean if anything uh michael now is the time to actually start putting down the azoxypropiconazole uh armada or lexicon. And let me tell you why. If Zoisha has a history of large patch happening, it is time to put on your A game for large patch prevention. And the time to start treating for large patch is literally in fall. And then one more application during spring green up. Let me ask this, and I'd love to see pictures of this, but Ray, you know. Mm-hmm. That market established, you know, it was a little bit of a wetter spring, I, at least from what I remember uh, in that area. Um, yeah. Or excuse me, wetter fall, wetter fall, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. How much of that could have been large patch on, you know, immature, or poorly rooted sod versus just sod that he, maybe didn't make it? Is or, that possible? It's um, possible, yeah. but nonetheless, when somebody says wet fall that just uh, starts off all the alarm bells for large patch i mean that's just uh the conducive conditions is this wet cold you know rainy weather no sun that just uh throws all the alarm bells for for large patch there 
Sure. There we go. Okay. Uh, good talk. Michael, hope things are going well for you guys over there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Totters Total Turf Care wants to know what's Ray's thoughts on Q4 cool season grasses, one stop shop when I have low grade crab. I have some opinions on this, but Ray, I'll let you go first. Okay. You know what, Totters? Problem with Q4 is that Q4 doesn't contain enough quinclorac in it to provide the knockout punch on crabgrass. I don't care if it's even low grade. I mean, because if I'm going to use quinclorac, I want full label rate, which would be equivalent to either 64 ounces of the uh, liquid or else one pound of the uh, quinclorac dry flowable. I mean, I would uh, insist that if I'm going to kill something, I'm going to kill it and not just give it a temporary headache. I completely agree. I think Q4 was, you know, Matt has talked about and railed against these products before about, you know, these quote unquote new products, which are just a combination of different herbicides or fungicides, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. And I think that this was an easy button for people that, especially in the lawn care space, because people spray a ton of it in the lawn care space, but it does not lack that punch. And typically, you know, if you're going after anything over two tiller, like Queen Clorac alone is not going to touch that. It's just going to piss it off. It's not going to work. You're going to piss yourself off. You're going to piss your clients off. You're going to have callbacks. It's not worth it. So, you know, we're at that stage of the game now, you know, depending on your location, do you let it ride out and not do anything and just let the frost take care of it? Um, you know, I'm a fan of, if you're really riddled with it, you know, go out and take care of it now with uh, Queen Clorac. You can throw tenacity in there so it's seed safe. Pylex. Uh, has a little bit longer residual mm-hmm. as far as the seed window. So uh, do yourself a favor, try and get it nipped in the bud. And if you're going to do any aeration overseed on those lawns, absolutely just get rid of it. So there's no competition and you're overseeding into those carcasses and you can regrow some desirable turf. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. Let's look here. Looking to get a pull behind striper for my, this is Ryan, not me, by the way. We can get a pull behind mm-hmm. Trevor for my John Deere. When looking at them, what should I care about? Brand, style, or just whatever fits? Um, uh, my big things with a pull behind striper, and I guess, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking of like a roller per se, but uh, just the construction of it, um, you know, replaceable parts. You know, if the, if the bearings are where the uh, movable parts tie in, are those spots or parrots replaceable as wear items or you just chunking the whole thing and throwing it away so i don't know ray i don't really get into the whole pull behind striper thing too much so i don't know but that would be just something off the top of my head yeah i mean that that would be my thought too is that uh and as far as striping if i'm going to stripe something it's going to get done with an actual real mower i mean because well, i don't like that. to yeah, but I, I don't like the idea of running something through the grass for the sake of what it looks like while not actually serving any other function. Mm. I mean, because all of these rollers and brushes and whatnot, do you know what they do to the grass? They tear up and abrade the grass. And I'm not a fan of doing that to grass unless it's actually serving some other function. So 
for me, I'd much rather have that uh, fairway mower set up to cut at about an inch instead. That's true, and I think you know that is true. That true in something people that don't think about too often is you know there there is a certain amount of stress, especially when you have uh, a a solid roller that goes across even it's front back. I don't care. And if you want to think about it, you know, it, let's just say it's you know, those rubber rollers or, um, you know, the steel drum on like a GM 1000, something like that. I always tell people, you know, mm-hmm. take a piece of metal or whatever that, uh, whatever that device is made out of and, you know, put it on your skin just like this, mm-hmm. twist it and turn it. I mean, over time you keep doing that. That's going to, you know, it's not going to feel good. And, uh, shoot tissues are, you know, just as sensitive, if not more so to, that type of tearing or braiding things like that. So, um, especially in times of high stress, everything like that, like, I don't know. I'm, I, I feel I have a lot, a lot stronger opinions of being uh, that striping isn't as important. I mean, it looks cool and everything like that, but, uh, I agree, Ray, that you know, the tangible benefit there from a turf health perspective isn't so negatively yeah. impacted that nobody should do it. But at the same time, like, eh, I can go without it. Yeah, I mean, do you really have to, right, Ryan? Do you really need you to really do need that? To wear, and do you really need to wear that Hawaiian print shirt to the party to make a statement. You don't have to. Just be yourself. Yeah, man. exactly. You know, just go in yeah. my own life. So, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, ooh, uh, J-Pink, can you show those pictures really quick that Michael sent over on the Zoysia? Just see, Ray, if this jogs anything. Kind of, uh, it's a little low quality coming from my phone, so I apologize for that, but. I believe these no are problem. now pictures. Any anything you see here? Anything that jumps out at you? Well, that would be a Zoisha sod install that just plain didn't take due to multiple factors. Okay, it just so didn't, this, didn't so take and <laughs> large patch. Are you? I mean, I think it's hard to tell at this point. Poss- hard to hard much. to tell how much of that is large patch and how much of that is just bad aftercare. Uh-huh. You know, bad aftercare because uh, you know what my most frequent FUBAR situation is? Somebody has thousands of dollars worth of zoysia sod and they have absolutely no clue how to grow it in and take care of it so that it all doesn't die. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> this, this, you know, he's right in the Ohio River Valley, Mississippi valley area and there's so mm-hmm. much of that like hey we're just going to use zoysia because it'll you know withstand this uh you know this stress in mm-hmm. the summertime and it won't look as bad but you know I, I don't know that it's as easy button as people think it is and i think again it's just an area it's a really tough area to grow grass successfully uh 9 10 11 months out of the year it's just it is it's yep, it's, yep. i give those it's guys not easy right a ton of credit because it's not easy. Um, yeah. And uh, Zoysia is not an easy button, but unfortunately, the grass growers keep on touting it as easy button. And that, folks, just burns my ass when they do things like that. It happens. It happens, right? Okay. Let's jump down here. Uh, David Clausen wants to know. Is there any benefit to adding wetting agent to soil during uh, Kentucky bluegrass establishment? Uh, I can't say definitively, David. I think it helps your cause in terms of uh, not so much uh, holding moisture per se, 
but more so to the point mm. of evening out your dry down, you know, so, uh, you know, the, the high spots and the knobs might not dry out as quickly as, you know, some of your other areas. So just, you know, be mindful of those things. Um, I don't think it's an absolute necessity. And if you were going to do it, I would also probably go the granular route as opposed to a sprayed product. So keep that in mind. Uh, Gardener Earth Guy, one of our uh, very frequent commenters on our videos. And thank you for that, sir. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see here. He wants to know how California banning internal combustion in- engines affect, uh, affect our friends on the West Coast. Um, you know, Gardner Earth Guy, we've talked a lot about this at various stages and iterations on uh, Burn and Returned episodes, which, by the way, if you enjoy those, you can watch us record those live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time uh, if you're a member of the channel. And if not, uh, you can enjoy those when they drop every Wednesday here on YouTube and on your uh, favorite podcast platform. So check that out. But we cover current events oh and some of those sick. things have come down the pike as of late. You know, those. Um, you know, those itch situations where people are banning engines and Ray, I think the, the points, you know, if I remember sort of all the, the, the different iterations we've talked about, this have been, uh, it's probably whatever the lead time is, is not enough, not a fast enough time for everybody to switch, especially when you think about, uh, all the professionals, you know, let alone the homeowners that do this in California. And number two, just mm-hmm. the infrastructure to do that, you know, um, if and when we have, you know, uh, brownouts and rolling blackouts and all these kind of things, like, well, if I can't charge power the power, I'm sorry, Mr. Yeah. All, yeah, all that power cuts. And, uh, you know, California, from what I hear, has mm-hmm. pushed very hard on the electrification angle to the point of, get this one. Yes, sir. They are even considering generators a prohibited... Oh. Small internal combustion engine. How does that work? I mean, I okay. Yeah, you know that's just uh, to where they want to make sure that people are are solely dependent on their government-controlled power grid. And you know what I'm you know what I'm wondering? How does that work for a lawn and landscape professional that is doing the right thing and has converted all of his equipment to battery operated equipment and he needs to have those battery packs charged up uh in between clients how does that work brian i yeah i you know go into a charging station go into um you know one of the tesla things i don't you know a supercharger i don't know i think that there leaves a lot to be uh Figure it out there. I think the other thing, Gardner Earth guy, that uh, we, we talked about, and I thought this was always interesting, an interesting angle to it. California is a incredibly diverse state, and not just by population, demographics, ethnicities, things like that, but just the fact that, like, you know, when you're on the coast, you know, out by San Francisco in the Bay Area, and you roll 100 miles inland, and you're in the Central Valley rolling down I-5, it is a completely different world. I mean, like, totally different, and so. You know, what works in one part of the state may not work in the other part of the state. And it's it's just a lot to come down and uh, and drop on people. So speaking of dropping, Ray was out, mm-hmm. came back. Mm-hmm. He's here now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was right. Mm-hmm. I was about to shrivel up into the fetal position and start crying. It was going to be bad. No, I'm uh, good. I'm good, Ryan. 
Yeah, my camera had a little glitch, and I had to reboot that. <laughs> Gosh, darn it. The Chinese are watching yeah. again. All right, Kevin Shepard, our good friend up in uh, mm-hmm. upstate New York, wants to know, I have Kabuto on the way for Spring Dead Spot Prevention for next season. Uh, I, do I have enough time for the fungicide to be systemic enough for Spring Dead Spot is it Prevention in upstate New York? Uh, sprigged Iron Cutter, uh, and he's at day 45. And I saw a picture of this yesterday. It's impressive what Kevin has done. Yeah. Uh, in in yeah, a he, very he, short time. He's doing good. And yeah, I think he's doing he, good. He, I, mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't let the, I, I, I don't know that I have a good answer to your question, Kevin. Um, other than I can say anecdotally, I've sprayed later than this. Now, granted, you know, we're 200 miles south of where you're at, roughly as the crow flies. So uh, I would go ahead and spray it. I mean, um, even if it's just reduced in efficacy, I'd still, in your climate, rather have that out there just in case, especially with all the time, effort, mm-hmm. uh, and money that you've put into that thing. You know, uh, yep. I- even if I get 10 or 15% less efficacy, I'd still sleep better at night. So, uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, Johnny send, it. Fesc- send it. Johnny Fescue has a, a Bermuda question here, Ray. Newly mm-hmm. sodded to Homa in June, Middle Tennessee, sports turf. Oh boy. Advise customer to not oversee the first fall, especially customers no choice, no in capital letters. Gun to their head, Ray. Very mm-hmm. serious. Would you apply starter for it after the Bermuda is dormant or not at all? Uh, I guess I would think that you're overseeding this before. You know, if this is a sports store situation, I guess there's one or two situations. Either fall sport, which hopefully you've overseed already. If you haven't, I mean, kind of a moot point, I guess. Um, if this is probably, if I'm thinking and reading this right, this might be for a baseball or a spring sports field. Uh, if that's the case, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with applying the starter fertilizer. I would check and see if you actually need to. I think your ryegrass and the right weather conditions, especially in uh, middle Tennessee and say like, you know, October into November, that should be no problem at all. I don't know that you'd have to put much of anything out there. Maybe you could do some foliar sprays, you know, once it comes up, but I don't know that I yep. get carried away, you know, slinging a granular mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, Cause there's, you know, yeah, it, the only thing that's going to be there to take it up is going to be juvenile roots. And I know Ray, you and I are not big fans of nutrient loading at establishment for any grass. Yeah, it was, that's just not necessary, not productive, and, uh, you know, just one of those lawn care memes that I wish would just die. Okay, Johnny is saying perennial rye for baseball and softball. I, that's, that's the one thing It's tough in that area. Like, you don't have a choice. You have to go with Bermuda, and you have to overseed it. I'll just say that as soon, as soon as they're done, as soon as they're done playing on that, smoke that out with sulfonylurea. Promise me, don't let the heat get it or any of that other bullshit. Spray it out with the sulfonylurea, get rid of it, and let your tahoma chooch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go with it like that. I don't, don't, none of the holistic healing, uh, hospice, hospice overseed lawn care, Ray. That's even worse than regular hospice. No. Lawn care. No, 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 no. All right. No. Let's see. Jackson Bud. That's a real name. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like a porn star playing a baseball player or something. I don't know. 
Sorry. <laughs> Yikes. Hopefully your, hopefully your mom's not listening. Uh, what would be a good pre-emergent for South Texas if doing winter overseed spectacle flavor label has a long reseed interval? Um, mm-hmm. Ray, if this were me, I think Dithi up here is probably your best bet. Uh, going on the lower end. Although- and it's labeled for it's labeled for it too. In fact, uh, there is something where you can apply that they appear to a overseed like close to the time of your overseed. So you can overseed, let it come up, and then that there appears that overseed like within, I think, 30 to 45 days after, if I'm guessing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have the label in front of me, but I'm just guessing. I, I want to say it's 60. I think it's a 60 day window. Quote me on that, but I'll okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, let me see here. McCurdy, let me see. Let me see if I can find something. Mississippi State, Jay McCurdy, he's their uh turf weed ecologist, and a, a very smart individual, great guy. And he has a couple of things here, and it's mainly for sports fields, if I remember correctly, but um. Let's see. I'll just post this whole darn thing. Let me send this over to Jay Pink. And uh, I don't know if Jackson's in the Discord or not, but if he is, he can get this uh, and, and we'll throw it up there. Uh, okay. Back to the chat. We're trying to move it along, folks. We're trying to keep it to an hour tight. Apparently, word has it that uh, the quicker we go, the more the more positive feedback we go. So, you know, this is kind of like the opposite of, you know, being in the I sack. Like the smell. And Oli <laughs> sometimes comes in um, and lets us know. What, what, but, but Spencer, what are we smelling? <laughs> I like the smell. You are a fucking pussy. <laughs> oh. Oh. That got weird really quickly. Sorry, Oli. Yeah. All right, Dave. Dave Mayotte wants to know, I just see the print of ryegrass this evening. Congratulations, Dave. Can I spray Clinclorac, glyphosate, and tenacity tomorrow? Did I miss the window? Upstate New York. Uh, yes to all those things. Uh, I, this is kind of like you dropped it on the floor. There's a, you know, uh, a five-second rule. Um, you know, glyphosate for sure has a, uh, you, you know, uh, work at Kansas State, a gosh, a dozen or so years ago was, you know, even three days after seeding it was okay to use, mm. uh, you know, glyphosate mm-hmm. after seeding. So when chloric is safe at day of seeding, tenacity also the same, uh, you're still within the statute of limitations. So Dave, by all means, send it. Ray, any objections? Send it. Go for, no, go for it. Go for it. I mean, as long as the seed hasn't started to germinate yet, send it. I mean, mm-hmm. don't, uh, don't be a pussy. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's see here. Matt Chenshi wants to know for cool season lawns, I'm, I'm trying to understand what flumioxazin and uh, fluoxapir benefits are in getting rid of mm-hmm. undesirable grasses and weeds, right? So, oh, what's the name of that product that I'm thinking of here, Ray? Uh, oh, are you, are you thinking of Sure Power? Sure Power. That's it. Yep. Yeah, so, th- yeah, because <laughs> that was the uh, the thing. 
And I think maybe that's what he's getting at. You know, why? It, because you're not going to just spray the flumioxys in. If you're trying to like cut rates of SureGuard and sit there and mess around, I, that wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But um, no, no, no. So SurePower, um, I can't say that I've used a ton of it. I've played around with it a little bit in certain situations. And, you know, from what the new farm people uh, have educated users on is about, you know, using it in the times when the grass is sort of hardened off. It's not in this very lush green state, right? So if you mm-hmm. do have irrigation, you kind of have to shut it off. If you had a ton of rainfall and it's, it's uh, you know, growing well, it's actually kind of a, a odd thing, a little bit uh, counterintuitive in terms of, you know, having counterintuitive, yeah, for- stressed out a little mm-hmm. bit. So, Ray, just, just talk a little bit because, you know, they, they'll, um, you know, tout the benefits here uh, on ground ivy and wild violet particularly, you know, two very difficult mm-hmm. to control weeds here in cool season country. So is there anything I, that you can speak to regarding the chemistry of those two AIs and why they're so good at those difficult to control weeds or so effective? First of all, plumioxazin is a very strong, what's known as a PPOI inhibitor, extremely strong. But, you know, to give you the 50 cent version of this, what that means is that when you apply low rates of flumioxazin to a weed that is literally opening up holes in the weed's leaf tissue, and when you open up those holes, that is providing entry points for whatever herbicides you apply with it, and specifically, that's providing an entry point for fluoroxapyr, and fluoroxapyr Think of fluoroxapyr as essentially triclopyr on steroids. It is an incredible, powerful broadleaf herbicide. So it's just basically attacking the weeds from two angles, and it's able to do things that your normal conventional three-way just cannot do, especially in late summer. And by the way, Ryan, I think we talked about how Ideal timing for for sure power would be late summer after the grass has had time to harden off. Yeah, uh, this is prime time for it. And, you know, I would say that there are some other methods of controlling the wild violet, right? Uh, And uh, ground ivy, that being said, um, sure power is, you know, pretty strong. it's, It's a nice cleanup app if you can tolerate it and i think that's the thing in a lawn care setting i've seen i've seen people on either one end of the spectrum or the other nobody's right in the middle like yeah i'll use it here and there like it's either nope i've used it and i'll never use it again or it's mm-hmm. tell all my customers burn and return time that's what it is burn and return time yep hey yeah that's that's a burn and return for sure <laughs> it's a little bit it's a little bit mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so let's see here Goodness gracious. Okay. Uh, just catching up with Jay Pink in the chat. Oh, here we go. Turf Taliban. Jacob Morissette wants to know, been following a 5,000 square foot area with Soul Steeler since June. Pros and cons to dormant versus spring seeding, as well as spring pre-emergent options. Mesotrione and Quinclorac, question mark. Rates, question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray, why don't you, for the folks scoring at home, describe what Soul Stealer is? 
This is a Ray cocktail. Okay, Soul Stealer is a specially curated combination of glyphosate, fusillade, triclopyr, and mesotrione. And the purpose of this is to try to get rid of hard-to-control perennial grassy weeds as well as volunteer Bermuda grass or zoysia grass. So what uh, our deal jihad here has, has been doing <laughs> is he's been <laughs> subjecting an area to basically total death because he would like a nice lawn when all of this is done. So mm. I don't know, Ryan. How would you feel about a spring seeding where he's at? Yeah, knowing so, that he has the he has the uh, option of uh, laying down some mesotrion and quinclorac at the time of seeding. How would you feel about that? I mean, I, it doesn't seem particularly I, risky to me. <laughs> Not in his no, area. No, and I won't say exactly where he is. Um, because you know he is on uh the FBI's most wanted list and when i say FBI i mean like target home depot lows you know those people mm. um <laughs> yeah he can't just go in and flash his id and buy something over there they, they he's on the list so um <laughs> he's in the uh northeastern united states the colder portions of the, the northeastern united states so um i would not be hurt by him doing a dormant seed necessarily i know i i think the the spring and the winter like the late winter lingers uh kind of extra long there so you know i you do run the risk of you know a lot more attrition you know with those swings in temperatures and things like that that they might get uh so that might be a concern but i wouldn't hesitate to try and do it and take advantage of what you get you know five thousand square foot area mm -hmm. we're not talking about a ton of money Lord knows he saved exponentially more here by uh, finding those deals and everything like that. It's time to put some of that money, you know, out there in the lawn, Jake. So mm -hmm. I would do this. I would do the uh, dormant seed. I'd come back out and clean up your winter annuals and then go ahead and overseed in the springtime. Um, Mezzo and Quinclorac is fine at seeding. So you're going to run the full rate of uh, Quinclorac. So the half gallon per acre. And then uh, four ounces to the acre on the uh, mesotrion. Run that, see how you do. Yep. You could follow up an app uh, another four weeks later with another four ounces of meso. And then I would just be prepared to spray post out of anything that does break through as far as summer annuals, things like that. And then you can kind of assume your normal weed control with broadleaves that summer because you don't get that hot and you have a lot more options on the table um, to get some of those things. So um, look at semester formulations on. Um, like maybe a speed zone or something like that, just to clean up some of the, the winter annuals that might pop in that dormant seed area from having it all torn up. But other than that, I think it's a solid plan. And, you know, as long as you are patient, yeah. should be good. Should be good. Mm -hmm. Okay. EMC wants to know, what is the recommendation on reapplying PGR, T-Nex in my case, after overseeding Kentucky bluegrass on a cool season lawn? I apply T-Nex at half a fluid ounce per thousand two days prior to seeding, but I'll hit my GDD reapplication September 12th, 13 days after seed down. I, should I hold off on the PGR for the remainder of the season and should I reapply per the schedule or make some other adjustments? A very good question. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, okay. So okay. first, yeah, yeah. well, really? I, yeah. 
Okay. Uh, God damn, son. You know this uh, thing about following GD, GDD on lawn height grasses? Yeah. You know what? Throw that out the window because Dr. Kreuzer developed that specifically, and I mean ex- specifically for bent grass greens. Unless you have a bent grass green, GDD is not exactly relevant to your situation. And what probably is the case is that your regulation period is going to be far longer than 13 days, especially at half ounce of Tenix on Lawn Height Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah, I would say that too. And, and, um, <laughs> yeah, for those of you that want to learn more about what EMC is talking about as far as the growing degree days and the reapplication, just look up Bill Kreuser, K R E U S E R, uh, formerly of University of Nebraska Lincoln, now of the Greenkeeper app. Um, uh, Dr. Kreuser's done a lot of amazing work on this of trying to model out and figure out how long a PGR app will last based on how the plant how quickly the plant metabolizes that active ingredient, right? To the point where we're now beyond regulation. We actually enter into a period, what's called a rebound, where growth actually surges once we cross a certain level or a threshold at time after application. So that's the question here is I would agree with that. And the other thing that Dr. Kreuzer has been pretty upfront about is that Kentucky bluegrass has just been so all over the map and inconsistent in the way that it performs in the growing degree day trials that it's really hard to pin down and say definitively across the board as a species that Kentucky bluegrass, you know, is X number of GDD, right? So mm-hmm. that being said, I, yeah, I say the same thing. The other thing too, that's interesting about PGRs. Um, and again, this is all in bent grass, right? But I mean, this work is now going on almost 25 years and it was work done here at Ohio state with, uh, Tenex or uh, Trinex and Pac Ethyl as a growth regulator showing that uh, there was no uh, negative effects to divot recovery. So they were looking at golf course, you know, height grass, right? And uh, looking at, you know, okay, hey, if I'm spraying Primo on fairways or, you know, par three tees, things of that nature, am I actually setting myself back by using these on these types of surfaces when I have all these divots and things like that? And the answer was no. And actually, in fact, it actually helped in certain cases. There was actually um, research trials where they showed that. In bluegrass, I don't know that you would see the same thing because you've got a rhizomatous grass versus a stoloniferous grass and bent grass, you know, different growth habits, things of that nature, right? So long answer to the question here is, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be afraid to spray it one more time because I don't know how mature your seedlings are going to be at day 13, especially in an interseed or overseed type of operation. Uh, you know, if you were really feeling squirrely and if you had to do it over again, I think what I would have done, Ray, hear me out here. Okay. Grab your, grab your Reynolds wrap and let's make a hat here. I <laughs> would have sprayed that. I would have sprayed that Primo two days prior. And then I would have went out there with my uh, bagging rotary mower and I would have hacked the absolute shit out of that Kentucky bluegrass, scalped it down seeded into it and then went on my way and i probably would have gone at a higher rate i probably would have gone at the three quarters of an ounce stfu i'm leaving from hawaii if i had kentucky bluegrass here and i'm going to louisville which comes up here (laughs) october 20th and 21st can't miss it ray's going to be on the continental united states third time in three years he's going to be here 
It's the only time you'll see him here because otherwise we'd have to kidnap and put him in a van. And you can't drive a van from Hawaii all the way to Louisville. It's practically impossible. So this is it. Come see him. Join us if you can. But we're on a wait list. So just remember that. All right. Back to the question, though. Uh, go ahead and reapply it if you really want to. I don't think you're going to hurt anything. And, you know, um, it's a good question. Though. I really enjoyed the, the nuance of that question. That's that's good stuff. I got an so, I got another out for him though. I got another okay. out for him. Yeah. Is that did you know that it's actually on the label to apply an ounce of propiconazole per thousand square feet as a plant growth regulator on new seedings? Yep. Yep. I think that's and still on the label. It's still on the label, yeah. I still see it on the label. And what that will do is that will tone down the growth of the old grass but what that'll do to your new grass seed is that will redirect energy from vertical growth down to root growth that's what propiconazole does to cool season grasses it's uh it can be a good thing and it will prevent uh some you know post-seeding leaf spot and powdery mildew and rust as well so it's not all bad it's kind of a good thing <laughs> uh-huh there we go yeah, so All there's right. positives to it, right? <laughs> there can be, most certainly. Mm -hmm. All right, Wyatt, with a whole bunch of numbers past his name. I think this might be his AIM or AOL screen name. Uh, mm -hmm. Wants to know, can't oversee this fall. Have to wait until spring. Bummer. Lawn is a KBG mix. Can I run Prodiamine in the fall and still see it in the spring? Absolutely. Um, why? Why? I don't know though? why you'd want to, though. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I guess oh, yeah, trying, to prevent POA, trying to prevent POA. <laughs> probably is my guess um okay you know what i would do instead of the prodiamine if winter poe is an issue yeah that's a fumicide not a bad play i, do, I think I would, that's... Do, I would do progress instead because prodiamine does not play well with seeds and here's the thing that i've uh you know i've been surmising is that you know when you apply pre-emergent in the fall? I'm under the idea that clock stops for that pre-emergent until the soil warms up again. So if you're applying this to ground that's going to be below 32 degrees, you basically hit the pause on the timer and that clock is not going to run again until your soil warms up to at least 50. Because cold decreases the degradation of various herbicides. So I'd be really reluctant to apply stuff in the winter to grass, expecting to be able to seed back into it in the spring, especially if it's a product like prodiamine, which is rather non-selective regarding what kind of grass it inhibits the rooting of. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I think the Prodiamine app, if you're really worried about POA, I do agree that the uh, the opportunity there for um, ethofemusate is probably often overlooked. There's going to be a little bit of hurt that comes along with that. But, you know. Hey, you, you, gotta, you take it. And the... uh, what's, what's on the label is the fact that ethofemusate is specifically recommended for 
fall and winter polar control. I mean, that is like the purpose of applying esophimacete is to tamp down on the fall and winter polar. I mean, prodiamine, not so much, especially not in a cool season turf. I mean, no, I've never heard of it. <laughs> All right. Let's All right. keep it rolling here. Let me go back over here. And right here. Okay. Holy shit, we're way up here. Brent, my neighbor just came over and asked, why do we repair ball marks and greens? I gave him the answer, but maybe others have the same question. Okay. Well, um, well, why do we repair ball marks and greens? Well, uh, a few reasons why. First, obviously, courtesy and etiquette. Uh, you don't want to have a huge crater there that you have to putt through to make your putt. And obviously, you leave, how you leave the green and the course uh, is how others will play it behind you. So, uh, you know, just have some common fucking courtesy. Sorry, I didn't mean that. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> have etiquette. Uh, what, can't have common fucking courtesy? Um, <laughs> sorry. Just fucking courtesy? No. Um, so, there's that aspect. From a agronomic perspective again uh you know typically gr greens are going to be uh either creeping bent grass here in the northern parts of the country and some of the transition zones you might see it as well and then other parts of the country uh, uh dwarf Bermuda grass uh some you'll see some weird ones fine fescue i'm not going to or, or maybe zoysia i'm not going to get into those but for the most part that's what you're going to see bermuda creeping bent grass uh in either case um you know the ball mark could be fixed in a way to push the uh, depression back in, not lift up and potentially rip those surface roots and kind of break it up and then the ball mark will dry out. So um, that's the most basic reasons why, you know, from an etiquette standpoint of having a flat putt uh, after that. And then also too, from trying to get the grass to heal back in because those, uh, those grasses are both stoloniferous, right? They will knit back together and you'll have a healed green, but certainly something you should take heed to if you do play the game. And have some fucking common courtesy. I'm sorry, common fucking yeah. All right, John P. Hey, guys. How is it possible that Sublime, the herbicide, not the band, has a zero-day reseed interval it contains triclopyr? Uh, let's see here. Hmm. I have not played around with tri with Sublime, but I will look it up. I know it's like uh, Mesotrione, triclopyr, and mouse. Bradley Knoll, he was in Sublime. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Sublime herbicide label. What what what's its AI uh, concentrations? Because I I haven't That's looked into that too. Because because All it's right, you ready uh, for this? not yeah ready. Send it. <laughs> Triclopyr twenty nine point five percent. That's the mm -hmm. ester. Dicamba sixteen point two seven percent and mesotrione mm. five point two percent. Okay, so. And uh, what is label use rate? You know, typical uh, label let's use rate. See here. So, um, yeah, a quart, uh, a, a quart per acre. So you're getting okay, uh, a half quart? a pound of of, of triclopyr AI per acre. That is why, Ryan, because yeah. at a half a pound of triclopyr per per acre, that's not going to have enough residual to jam up uh, seeding. That's not going to hurt seeding. And of course, uh, cool season grass tolerates uh, mesotrione very well. And 
that amount of dicamba is not enough to mess up seeding either. So that would be a good option for broadleaf weed control prior to overseeding. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I was trying to look at that label and I haven't really studied it too well, but that definitely seems kind of what they were going for was like a sort of a prepackaged, you know, uh, overseed safe, essentially herbicide application. It's not a bad product. I mean, I don't know that you're going to see the greatest results in the world, but, you know, you've got uh, enough mesotrione in there that, uh, you know, you're going to see some positives from that. And enough dicamba and enough uh, triclopyr because I can speak from personal experience that the combination of triclopyr and dicamba is a monster on broadleaf weeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> it works. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see right. this. All right. Harper Explorers, our good friend over there in California. And also, uh, Travis's number one fan. God bless you, Harper. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I sodded a church area with Tiffway 2 this spring. I haven't heard, I've not heard to overseed with rye until a year or two after, but wanting to seed Mazama, Kentucky bluegrass this fall. Yikes. Don't. Don't know about that. Don't. Don't. I mean... Uh, Harper, you know, this is a good case for, if it's going to go dormant, how about some endurance? Paint that thing green. Well, well, and here's my other question too on that, Ray, is in what situation in California, is there a a use case for overseeding Bermuda in California? What locations and what types of Bermuda would you be careful with? Or which types would you be more aggressive with? Okay. Tiffway 2 is your classic, I guess, golf and sports field variety. So I'm supposing that it can take uh, a fair amount of overseeding. However, uh, I got to ask, if it is strictly for cosmetic or aesthetic purposes, Think about the eventual turf decline that your overseeding procedures will cause to that stand of Bermuda grass. I mean, this is why I always say that if I were to grow Bermuda in an area where it does go dormant in the winter, uh, I would get out that green paint starting in uh, October or November and be done with it. I will not overseed. The only exception to that would be if this were a athletic field being used for fall sports. Other than that, if it's only for churchgoers to look at and maybe walk across, no. I mean, that is not a good justification for me to overseed. Well, there you go. <laughs> you, got the, you got the nickel answer there, Harper. <laughs> Give it to Travis. He needs it. All right. Uh, let's see here. Stamigina. Stamigina? Oh, I don't God. know. Can I use Sofranc- Sofrancazone? Sofentrazone. Sofentrazone is a pre-emergent for nutsage. Nutsage. 
when overseeding. Don't. Don't. Yeah. For the love of God, don't. Because... Uh, I mean, you can, so but th- I don't think you're going to like your overseeding. <laughs> no, you know, you know what happens when you... Ron Henry might when, like your overseeding. Yeah, well, you know what happens when you put new seed, sod, or sprigs on sulfentrazone-treated ground? All of that fails to take root because sulfentrazone is so caustic to new roots and shoots. I mean, sulfentrazone is not to be taken lightly. And that, that, that's a serious herbicide right there. What you can do is a month after you've overseeded, if you still have nutsedge at that time, you are able to use halosulfuron. That is yeah. safe a month after seeding, but then I would really resync the sulfentrazone, you know, around the time of seeding. And in fact, advisory, some good uh, authority has told me avoid sulfentrazone the spring after overseeding because the grass is not very tolerant of it at that time. Wait for the following year. And this information comes to me courtesy of uh, Lushy. I believe he told I, me. I, I, no, he, he told me don't. He told me don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't use it specifically because there's more bad that can come from it than good, unless it's in a really mature stand. I just I don't like using it. I will say this: I've seen um, actual herbicide trials that. Ohio State, where they used halosulfuron at seeding just to see what would happen, right? They were looking at, you know, the intervals uh, for seeding after mm-hmm. application just to kind of see and test, ground test what was on the label. Halosulfuron was by far one of the most injurious to new seedlings if it was applied right before or right after seeding. But you got to, it, it's it's pretty amazing is you got to this one month mark and there really was, you know, a rapid shift and, um, how much tolerance how how much less yeah tolerance by the by the desirable turf so interesting stuff there okay joseph henry has asked he says can't oversee this fall hope to see next spring have a rye kbg lawn uh did we already did that one did i skip over that guy okay i must have skipped down to that my bad all right uh let's see here eric sands i've overseeded kentucky bluegrass this past monday i've noticed a few areas with clover that i've missed and I still tackle those patches this year. What could I get away with applying or wait till spring? Uh, Eric, I would wait until 28 days after you've seeded. And if you just want to nip it, uh, you can do, um, I, I would probably. Quinclorac and triclopyr. Quinclorac and triclopyr, yeah. And if you want to spike yep. it with a it's little taller. bit of quicksilver, if you're feeling, yep. you're feeling randy. Squirrely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Evie wants to know. For turf type tall fescue, a spring seeding is recommended this far north. No dormant seed. Just get it down early and water, water, water. Yeah. Uh, you know, Evie makes a great point here. Turf type tall fescue, like you got to get that going like now. Like we're we're fast approaching um the deadline to have ta- turf type tall fescue yeah. be in good shape. Mm-hmm. And I think too, mm-hmm. um University of Minnesota, uh up there near Evie has some really, really good uh white papers on uh, their results from uh, dormant seeding 
with different species. Mm -hmm. So if you search in uh, dormant seeding, University of Minnesota turf grass, you'll find some good literature out there about what's uh, what's taking place in some of their experiments over the years. Okay, Cam. Hey, Elevator Landscapes. So, fellas, I'm thinking about putting down one more pound of end on Pops Iron Cutter Reno. Currently, three pounds of end for the season. Send it or call it a season. Spray fungicide in September, October. Um, I'm saying with you know, the weather pattern that we're in, I wouldn't be opposed to like another half pound going out. Half, here. yeah. I do half. Yeah. For sure. And also the fungicide in September, October, I don't know, you know, what would be a for a low cost option is there a low cost because cops time's cops up has it's over acres. okay sorry justin i i think you can do like uh azoxystropin propiconazole at that time that's a low cost uh option i mean if you want to get a little more expensive then you got the uh, kabuto velista Mm -hmm. lexicon <laughs> you know exemplar I know but how much do you love pops pops is long is no, and, you know? and not only that you know what i have to consider yeah you know when i'm dealing with acreage ryan it's often the products that are quote unquote expensive that turn out to be good values because i agree yeah, because we're not talking about a 1,000 or 2,000 square foot lawn because if I recall rightly, this was a iron cutter install on just about an, what is that, a half acre or an acre? It was a lot of area. Well, and I think that's one thing to consider too about these apps. I think just take, you know, expensive fungicide apps for 400, Alex, okay? And I'm mm -hmm. not just talking about cam situation, but I want to make light of that too. Is this, mm -hmm. is that uh, a lot of times the the biggest detriment to people making those apps is the upfront cost, right? Holy shit, I got to spend $570 to buy a little 11.4 ounce bottle of Lexicon? Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> okay. Oh, crap. <laughs> now, let's just say that you have a small one, a 5,000 square foot one. Well, it's going to treat an acre. So you've got Lexicon for years. That you can put up. Yeah. Let's say you're in cam mm -hmm. situation, right? You've got an acre, half acre, something like that, right? You know, if you equate the time and the energy and the effort that you put into that lawn, and I told you, hey, to make sure that this isn't an absolute shit show next year, I just need you to spend another two hundred, you know, five hundred bucks up front, and then you'll have it covered for next year too. So, you know, mm -hmm. five hundred up front, two fifty for this year, just to make sure. That nothing nips this stuff after you know we get into nothing goes know, bad, uh, nothing bad happens time. exactly, and that's the calculus that you need to make. Not like the oh shit, it's five hundred bucks, but dude, you just put a assload of time effort. And I'm not calling Cam out. I'm not saying he's not going to do this. I don't know what he's going to do. You know, I'm just <laughs> saying this in general when you're evaluating an app like that mm -hmm. of whether you do or you don't. Um, and it becomes easier because you know wintertime you're making one app and you're done. Summertime when you got to make like five apps and do it every two or three weeks and weather's all over the place yeah i understand it gets a little hairy um but just you know some thoughts there okay um but you know spend as much as your wallet can afford you know i heard somebody say that. <laughs> yeah that, that, take out a second mortgage and buy everything on golf course lawn academy yeah. we actually that'll be the that'll be the next thing is he'll uh, ron will start offering reverse mortgages so you can buy all of his shit 
Just wait. Oh God. <laughs> I Henry hope Winkler will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go back to the chat. Uh, let's see here. So we're taking uh, just to let everybody know, Jay Pink threw it in the chat. We had an hour time limit just to take questions, trying to keep the show nice and tight. So we're going to take the final questions that we had here and finish up everything that got in here before the buzzer. Okay. Dylan Miller. Dylan Miller. Any tips for uh, Bermuda green surrounds that get sprayed with legacy from spank vet grass? Uh, so. Hey, uh, ooh, ouch. Yeah. Ouch. You know, that here's what I know one. about what I know about legacy on Bermuda. Nothing good. Nothing good. I mean, no, that is more more than an STFU. That's more like a go away and don't come back for a long time. That because here's what I know about Fluorprimidol on Bermuda. Mm-hmm. It regulates the heck out of Bermuda, especially your semi dwarf varieties that are commonly used on the three-eighths to quarter-inch cut areas around a green. I mean, that's what I know. Like, for example, have you ever seen what happens to Tahoma 31 that gets even straight cutless? I know what happens. I I don't. I've never, never done that. What happens is that area of Tahoma 31 stops growing for approximately a month and a half. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i'm laughing i'm laughing at uh timmy bluegrass just posted something or i was tagged in something a bit ago from timmy bluegrass in the dirty deeds chat which if you want to check that out www.patreon.com forward slash burn turn you can join right there and uh be inside mm-hmm. uh the what matt refers to as the shit stain of the internet in lawn care so <laughs> there's that going for you uh let's see all right uh, a few more questions here to finish up. Dylan also had a second one. Ray, what should you spray to kill Bermuda grass and bent grass? Two percent? Question mark. No, no, easy. More cutlass. More. Uh, yeah. More Don't legacy, or else. Yeah, or else. Uh, you know what's really bad on Bermuda? Seaprol uh, has this three-way PGR combination that has. Chlorprimidol, Trinexapac, and Paclobutrazole. Musketeer? Musketeer, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I was going to say, I, <laughs> if it were me, I would be looking at uh, high rates of Paclo. Yep. Be yeah, my, Bermuda hates I, Paclobutrazole. It hates it. <laughs> yeah, I, and especially in, in fall where Dylan is in Georgia, I'd be like, you know, no problem. Hmm. Eight to sixteen ounces per acre on the Paclo and send it. You'll beat the shit out of that Bermuda, and or then else, let uh, that rebound. Let that rebound and push that bent as hard as you can to fill in the gaps. So, yep. Okay. EMC commented back that he actually did the the process I talked about, where he scalped down the KVG and bagged mm-hmm. it off. So good job, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We've just got four more here. Michael Pedroza, can you explain proper rotting with evaporative transpiration? I'd like to uh, a more calculated approach for responsible water consumption and high quality turf. Michael, how long you got, buddy? Um, yeah, how long have you got? I mean, 
Seriously. I, I think at a base, let's just take it at a basic level. Quick response. We've talked about this in different shows and gosh, you know, someday we'll pay an intern to sit down and catalog all of our shows and topics and stuff like that. But um, in its current format, we just don't do that. We just talk. So um, the best way to think of this, Michael, would be uh, think of it like a car. Okay. You know, your gas tank is the reservoir of soil in the plant that holds water, right? For your system, for your turf grass system. Okay. And you and rainfall have the ability to add water to the system, right? And the sun, the wind, and the relative humidity have the ability to take it away. Okay. So essentially, if you get a really hot, dry, windy day, so it's 90 degrees, the relative humidity is in the you know, upper 30s, low 40s, and the wind is howling at you know 10 to 15 miles an hour, your gas mileage, right, in your soil is going to go way down. You're going to be sucking down. It's like the, uh, you know, 10 miles of the gallon Winnebago uh, or something like that. You know, big gas guzzler. That was going to require you to fill up more often to replace that amount of water or fuel that is leaving your system, right? And that's happening in the form of grass transpiring water out, right? So it loses water to the atmosphere to cool itself. And then the soil loses water just through evaporation, right? Okay. So. Uh, in times when we do those things, we, we can equate those, you know, just like we have a miles per gallon, we have a metric or a number that we could equate this amount to this amount, right? So in uh, ET format, we express this as inches per day lost, right? So just as you see, you know, if you look at the weather report and they say, hey, you know, we got 0.75 inches of rain here at the airport. Now back to you, Susie. Well, at the same time, um, Susie, gosh, she's gorgeous. Um, maybe <laughs> she is. Uh, well, at the same it. time, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Oli. Oli's uh, going to do sports later. Um, but to to get back to the point here, so you know we can uh, express that in in the format of inches per, inches per day that are lost, right? So let's say we have that really hot, dry, windy day, like I just described. You know, ninety degrees, low humidity, lots of wind. We might lose. Uh, from our system, you know, both from our plant, from transpiration, our soil, from evaporation, maybe a quarter to a third of an inch. That's a pretty good amount. That's a pretty high ET rate. If you're in cool season country, if you're in the desert Southwest or something like that, a really arid climate, it could be double that easily. Okay. So, you know, we have water that goes in and that's in the form of irrigation and precipitation, right? And then we have water that comes out. So again, think about that in the gas analogy and context. Okay. Now, here is the one trick that you need to think about. It's not a one-for-one one replacement theory, okay? Because we know this about grass. We know this from loads and loads of research. Cool season, warm season, doesn't matter what type of grass that we have, is that we can replace it somewhere between 60 and 80% of the water lost and irrigate off of that metric, right? And say, we're going to be good to go. We're going to be able to grow really, really, really good grass that's not too wet or overwatered right? And have uh, reasonably good expectations of how that plant will perform. So imagine that, you know, you lose this amount of gas, right? You know, from evaporation, transpiration, things like that. But instead, when you show up at the gas station, I'm going to say, hey, listen, man, like, you know, you lost this many gallons, or in this case, inches per day, you know, you lost, uh, let's just say it is, um, for easy math, we'll say uh, a third of an inch, okay? So uh, 0.33 inches, okay? And I'm saying, hey, you only need to put 80% of that back. Right. So that's about maybe a quarter inch that I need to replace. So I'm saying that you only need to put about 80% of that gas back in your gas tank to still get the performance that you need out of your car. And then we'll see what the weather's like the next day. 
And here's a mistake that people make too often too is, you know, again, ET is a function of uh, wind, temperature, humidity, those three things. Okay. And soil type can have a little bit to do with it too, in terms of how much your soil will give off. But just think about those three uh, characteristics right now. Okay. So people will say, man, gosh, it's really hot. I got to water, you know, and this is how people, you know, have just thought or been taught or see some dumbass video <laughs> on YouTube, whatever. Okay. Um, you know, it's not these three Jack and Mokes talking. It's somebody that's trying to sell you a wedding agent or some other fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You like the smell of that, Lily? I like the smell. Mm-hmm. Me too. So, um, you know, the, the thing here is that they'll say, well, it's really, really hot. You got to water. And in those really humid conditions or those windless days that, you know, you're not losing as much water to the atmosphere just because of temperature and not because those other two things, wind and humidity are against you, you may not need to water as much, right? So there are things there that you can use, uh, you know, in terms of how much water is leaving the system. And again, use that car analogy, right? That's your gas tank. How much you need to fill it back up is based on those conditions of what comes out, what your mileage is, right? Or what your ET rate is per mm-hmm. day. So think of it like that. And again, you don't need to replace it one for one, 60 to 80% of what that number comes out to be. So to find this information, uh, NOAA has a pretty good website, um, National Ocean Atmospheric Association or Administration, whatever the hell it is. Sorry, and study my acronyms right. today. But you can look there. They have a pretty good site that uh, pinpoints that for you. Some locations uh, on weather sites and data will also give that to you and, and calculate it for you based on um, those things that we talked about there with uh, wind, air, temperature, humidity based on that. So that's a as short as I could make it and as uh, explain like I'm five as I could make it. I probably could have done a better job if I had more time, but that's what I got. Ray, anything you want to add, change, delete? No, no. I think you basically covered it. And the main point Time's is, up, is that it's about replacing enough, but without overdoing it. And uh, you have to know your area and your and the ET for your area. And like I know for me, I'm in good shape in my area, for example. If I replace up to an inch of water per week. And how I replace that is often in three waterings per week total uh, and that's a that's another caveat there is you don't have to fill it up every single day like that it's you can stretch that out over a week and the demand and the result it depends on your grass type and your soil yeah. type as well because uh i've had conversations with people where they are in an area that's got extremely high et and they're asking me, hey, how come my grass is dying? I'm watering deep and infrequent, and the whole thing is frying up. And I said, you idiot. You need to water at least every other day and not let it dry down that much. And by the way, if you're on certain types of soils with certain types of grasses, Putting down an inch or an inch and a half of water one time one time per week is not going to make it. You're going to kill your lawn. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and again, there's a lot of nuance there of how frequently and how much to replace. Not how much to replace, but mm-hmm. how to break up that replacement over the course of a week. So think about that. All right, uh, and we'll talk more about that later. 
Um, let's see. Just a few more here, here, here. Jack, yeah, super chat question. If I leveled an overseeded Nors, Nor guys, Nor guys, uh, running ryegrass, but didn't cover the bare spots five days ago, have water consistently should cover the spots now or is it too late and just cry into the winter i'm just worried about it drying out and never germinating okay uh but didn't cover the bare spots so he didn't level those i don't know exactly what you mean jack i'm just gonna say that it's ryegrass you could grow this on fucking concrete if you can keep it wet enough <laughs> just keep watering mm-hmm. it. you'll be good okay? yeah just just keep watering it and uh and call it good but of course, if you're trying to grow this without water, I don't know if I have any good words of wisdom for you. <laughs> nah, if that's that's. I tough, mean that that's just cold. that's just that's just a hard thing, yeah. Trying to grow grass without water. I mean, um, I I would advise anybody who's thinking of doing this not to. John Perry <laughs> knows, and if John Perry is thank telling you, you this, thank you, JP. Take it as the gospel. He is dirt. Uh, he yeah. is uh, turf Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. J Farm back in two shows in a row with questions. Good for him. Great to see him. Seriously. Uh, on all of the quote unquote 28 days after seeding. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm assuming he's talking about herbicide labels is after germination or after seeding. Big difference that the seeding is a slow germinator like KVG. So, uh, you know, yeah, they're very general for that reason to kind of cover their butts. And I think a lot of times that label is pushed out. Queen Clorac, a very good label, which listed by species in terms of what uh, what those intervals are. When you can. Like yeah, when you can apply it. Exactly. A lot of lawyers speak and a lot of CYA in those labels, J Farm. So, you know, uh, play appropriately, follow the law, but at the same time, like, you know, they're taking some of that stuff into account for sure. All right. Uh, the guy who looks like Prairie, but is actually P41R1E. Almost like Matt's favorite form to fill out, ID 10T, uh, is do people drain their above ground pools in the lawn before winter freeze? What kind of damage might chlorine and bromine pool chemicals do to the grass? The answer is lots. Uh, and I would be very lots. cautious about doing that if you don't want to see any negative effects. Um, mm-hmm. I know that sucks. And I know that's not the answer that most people want to hear. But, uh, you know, the downstream side of your pool should not be showpiece turf if you're just draining it out. So, Ray, any other comments on that? Yeah. In fact, uh, if I were going to drain an above ground pool into a turf area or into soil, what if I told you I would literally apply a chlorine neutralizer to that pool first? It's an interesting concept, Ray. Where would you recommend somebody go find something like that? Okay. I've never and heard of it or thought of that here's before. A, it's a good idea. No, here's a, no, here's a fun fact. Did you know that vitamin C or ascorbic acid is a chlorine neutralizer? I did not know that. Yeah. So if you were to, like, say, throw a pound of crystalline vitamin C into your average-sized pool, that will destroy all of the chlorine present in that pool. Gone. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what. You're not going to learn more about uh, vitamins and pools and also get the very best uh, turf advice and dick jokes all in the same channel. That's what we are here (laughs) at The Grass Factor. Uh, We want to thank you all. It's been a great show running through all these questions. We'll probably try and do a few more of these. I like this chat going back to the old school like Matt used to do it. Matt will be back next week. Mm -hmm. Matt's, uh, well, 
you you don't want to know let me just say yeah. so yeah <laughs> anyway uh we'll do a quick hangout after show with our patrons and if you don't know how to do that again www.patreon.com forward slash burn return come join us over there and uh that way you can talk dirty to us thanks bye <laughs> bye <laughs>